What's up, mortals? This is Mortality Minded, where we explore life, death, and whatever's next through culture, science, personal growth, and more. I'm your host, Thomas Gaudio. Today I'm speaking with Jack Ruiz, a Brooklyn-based artist focusing on abstract and expressionistic paintings. For a type of interview I call Mortal Chats, which are basically wide-ranging conversations about mortality and its corollaries, dying, death, grief, and the possibility of an afterlife. Jack and I had a great chat about a bunch of different things, including how thinking about his mortality affects his creativity, the significant role suicide has played in his life, and why if we do exist in some form after we die, Earth is probably the last place we'd want to be. I think you're going to enjoy it. Afterward, I share my daily mortality matches with you, so stick around for that. All right, that's it for now. See you on the other side. Let's start with the fact that we don't like to talk about this generally in our culture, right? It seems to yeah. be something that we shy away from. It's not very open, yet we all know that we're going to die at some point, right? It's like always in the back of our minds. For some people, it's more at the forefront, but how do you contend with that, that we all will die, that you will die, that everyone you know will die? Like, is it something that's, would you say, prevalent in your mind, Like, you don't think about it that often? And how do you feel about it when you think about it or talk about it? Mm, I think about it every day, really? you know? Uh, yeah, every day. Uh, like this morning, I thought about it. Uh, when I, I had to go to the bathroom, I couldn't back, couldn't sleep. And all I kept thinking about is like, what if a car would to crash into the window and you know, yada, yada. I mean, that was just kind of a stupid scenario. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, or even walking back home from my girlfriend's place, something could happen to me, you know? Right. And how would, uh, I don't really know how I would feel about dying because I'd be dead, but uh, I always try to think that it helped me to motivate, it motivates me on a, a day-to-day basis to do as much as I want to do, at least. You know, I don't have to actually be like busybody, but as long as I accomplish some goals, like, you know, even if it's just like cleaning the bathroom or working out or talking to my mom or just telling my, telling my girl I love her, you know. Yeah. Uh, it helps me, it helps motivate me to paint every day. Because I think about it, like, it feels like that pressure is there. Just always, I always feel I need to create something not for like legacy purposes, but like I said, just for my well-being. Like I did it. I accomplished something else. I did it. I did yeah. it. And so if I die, I don't have regrets. I don't. I don't want to be in those. I don't want to have that. Like I, I don't really. It's hard to put into like words. I, I don't believe that anybody should have regrets or anybody should have a bucket list at all. <laughs> just live your life and live it full. Live it fully because like there's so much beauty and on every day. That if you're worried about this stupid bucket list and you never get to finish it, you're really gonna your last moments are really gonna be worrying about that nonsense. You know, like, That's I, a- I don't, I don't really agree with it. So it helps me to mo- to motivate me to live better, <clears throat> to live more authentically, and to uh, you know, it can be somewhat of a, a bad thing if I'm a little too cautious, and I have been that way sometimes. Like walk a little like on eggshells, like Ooh, I'm nervous. Especially like I smoke weed, so sometimes if I smoke weed and I walk around, I can become like paranoid right. really fast. So I don't really, 
it's, it has, it's a double-edged sword, you know, because you yeah. can get on a, on a very like, deep rabbit hole and just be thinking about all of this kind of like, not necessarily dark things, but things that aren't really like getting me out of my chair, right. you know, or out into the world and engaging with people. Right. You know, so it's, that's, it's the double-edged sword for me. Uh, I don't know why people are uncomfortable talking about it, though. Because that we are going to die, and it is right. an interesting topic. And to think about that abstraction of death is very interesting. Because it is. There's so many religions and you know, wise people throughout history that have tried to, to talk about this and describe it, and you can't. Right. Because they were talking about it from the other side. Right. How do you describe something that you don't know anything about? Right. So for me, it's a very interesting topic, and it never has an ending. You know, just always evolving. You know, I grew up Catholic, so. Hmm. that version of, of death is always prevalent in my mind. Right. But as I've gotten older and become less like pious, at least in my religious beliefs, like, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's changed. It's morphed. Uh, I think for the better. How, how would you characterize then your, your religion, religious or spiritual beliefs right now? Well, I mean, I believe that uh, I, I believe in science as well. Yep. So like, I do believe that like we did come from the universe and if there is something that, that is a God, it would be the totality of the universe that includes us as well. And everything that makes us up is also God. Okay. So that's, and as growing up Catholic, Jesus was a big figure. And to me, right. Jesus is the story of all men, hmm. not a story of one man. Either, although Jesus could have been a real person, I believe that his story is basically an uh, allegory for all men's life. All men have to suffer it. All men curse their creator, their parents, whatever, at some point in their life until they become free, until they become free either in in life or in death. You You can become free in your life and like break the chains of your habits, your bad habits, and then make, make yourself a new person. Like for me, Drinking was a habit for years. I drank and drank. I did coke for a long time. And finally, I just got a chance to, to break that habit. And mm-hmm. now I'm a new person. I'm a new man at this point. Yeah. You know, so that my crucifixion, you could say, happened like when I was 37, <laughs> you know, and I finally was able to overcome it and be reborn a new man, you know. Wow. So that, that's my personal opinion on, on religion. And I, I do think there is something else out there. But I don't know if it's conscious. I, I know it's not a man with a beard. Right. <laughs> on a cloud. I know that for sure. Right. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense for a God to judge its creators. Like, so I, as an artist, I, how can I judge my creation? You know? mm. I, create, I created this and now I'm going to like put all these rules on it and yep. expect it to follow the rules that I created. It, it bothers me. And then, I think that leads people to lead, to live less authentically if they're worried about how they're going to be judged when they die. And I, yeah. it bothers me. That bothers me a lot to this point. So that's where I kind of like to step away from religion because like, I don't believe there's a God who's going to judge you in death because everything you've done was created by the God itself. So how could you, I, I don't, I don't get it. It's like, it feels like it's an unfair playing field at this point. Yeah. I understand the logic of what you're saying. So, so you think there's something, you're not sure exactly what it is. It sounds like it's been informed. It's been informed by your upbringing as a Catholic, as a Christian, but you're not, you've sort of, you've deviated from that or, or left that behind, but there is still, it still informs your perspective to some degree. 
it's a, it was like to be honest with you, it was the most um, in depth that I've ever been in any kind of spiritual spirituality or religion. So it does inform it more so than anything else. Yeah, I had like maybe like fourteen to fifteen solid years of you know being very pious about being Catholic or Christian. Yeah, I would go to church, you know, two times a week. Sometimes I went to a youth church for a while. It was a, it was a pretty big part of my life. So yeah, it does have like a, the it's it's I guess its teachings do have a lot of impact on me, and it's yeah. the only thing I can really draw from. It's only what I can draw from really, yeah, uh, comfortably, as opposed to like Buddhism or uh, Zen or any other type of religions. I haven't really studied them that much. Right. My my personal thing about spirituality though is that. Doesn't matter what you believe in, though, because it's all—it's all basically telling the same story. Mm -hmm. uh, the death part about it, I don't really—I think people just make it up. You know? <laughs> there's no, there's no paradise and there's no hell. You know, to a certain extent, you maybe you could find yourself in a certain, certain sort of purgatory if you don't really like deal with certain things in your life. Yeah, but that, but that also could contend with the fact that time changes when you're dying. You know, like I'm assuming that when you're you're dying, those last moments are probably like drawn out to infinity. Interesting, you know? man. I, I've I've also had that thought as well. Like, you know, we we don't know what the dying person is going through, so their perception, their their reality may be vastly different than what we're perceiving. You know, it may be that their concept of time may be very different than ours. And if, if we think they're unconscious or they're suffering or something, and they may be not suffering and maybe enjoying in some on, on some level, or it may be some kind of drawn out process for them. We don't know. It was an interesting book, a play that I read. Um, it's called uh, no exit. Okay. And it's um, by um, John Paul Sartre. Hmm. Uh, and uh, it deals with like hell and uh, the concept of time. in there is also dilated to the point where like they can look down and see years pass by see lovers like go move on and like fall in love with somebody else and then die as well. Yeah. But since they're in a certain type of hell, they, they'll never see them again. And there's no way of leaving this, this room that they're in and they're stuck with like, three other people who've committed sin in their life. Interesting. It's, it's a brilliant play. I was like, oh, it's kind of, it, it had this uh, eerie kind of like feeling of what a concept of hell could be. And it, hell is uh, basically other people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. For eternity for, mm -hmm. with other people who suck. And it's, right. it's, it was scary, you know, it's a scary way to think about it. Yeah. Right. Cause because like the typical, you know, Judeo Christian or Christian idea of hell, right, is burning in flames and Satan, you know, torturing you. But it, it yeah. torture you know, torture doesn't have to be that elaborate or that even physically or what we what we think of as physically painful. There's there are many yeah, yeah different ways that you could be tortured, one of being yeah, one of which would be spending time i could see that with others who were of the same ilk that goes back to the idea of connected to the way we live so there yeah. is some kind of connection point to it's not independent from it's actually dependent on the the way in which we live in our behavior yeah yeah so you you did you, 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 you know no you don't okay i don't know though i don't know either because like how is that fair to anybody like who didn't who didn't feel like they had a choice you know like they grew up in poverty and they uh right you know they grew up around people who were doing certain things that they shouldn't be doing perhaps mm -hmm. like how is it fair like they never had a choice you know right. 
and I know people could say you had a choice, but really like you are a product also of your environment, you know, so you can like, if you don't see a way out, you're not gonna be able to, what are you gonna do, you know, like, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if choices in life should be indicative on what happens when you die, you know, I, I think it may be more of a personal journey. So hell, if you, if you experience hell, would be something you pass through, not necessarily stay in. And that could be maybe like you are really a forced in death to look at yourself, to look at what you have done right. before you actually move on to something. And uh, since we don't know what happens and time could be dilated to an extent where it's like a second is, you know, a billion years, then yeah, it could feel like forever, you know? Right. But uh, we, since we don't know, like I, I, I prescribe the idea that, it, that there is no such, there's no suffering in death, you know? And that we are all equal in death, and that there's all, if there's a uh, God and there's a paradise, we're all going to experience that sort of thing. You know, it's not going to be like only the chosen ones get to do that. Because I, I, again, do not like this idea of a creator playing like playing with us like we're puppets and dolls. Right. It seems to be like, uh, for me, like I feel, when I think of God, if I was a, a God like doing that kind of stuff, like what kind of it's just a waste of time. Right. You have all this. You, you created time, and this is what you try to choose to do with it. Right. Why? Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Like you, we're like little ants in an anthill, and it's like, nope, you're going to hell. Like for what? You know, right? Like, you create, and you also created hell. Right. You created all of this. You created this our capacity. You. you created our capacity for you know for quote yeah. unquote sin. So yeah, it seems. It, I agree that it seems very illogical. Like why would you? First of all, why would you even create anything? It's just you're bored. What I don't I, I don't even understand why. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. why would you even create something in the first place? Okay, then you get to that level, then it's, yeah, then why would you set this up, all these conditions, and then, yeah, judge and, and punish people or animals too? I don't know. I don't know what the criteria are, but, you know. Yeah, so I don't get either. Right, right exactly. For, you know, okay, for doing the thing that you helped, you created, right? It's, yeah, yeah the, the logic is bizarre. I, I, I would agree with that. So, like, on a more personal note, though, <clears throat> um, recently, I had uh, my cousin called me, and her her kid actually committed suicide. Oh wow! So this was um, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been like maybe two months now. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring it up, but I kept yeah. thinking about it last night, and I'm actually painting a portrait of the uh, of her son right oh, now. Wow. So it's been like on my mind a lot. So like when we talk about deeds and everything, suicide is considered like a sin, at least where in my culture mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. in my upbringing as far as catholics are concerned and, right you know like i i don't really know how, how i feel about that yet i don't really think it's a sin necessarily hmm. um, because it's like i don't know why i just don't think it's anything that should be uh judged upon you know it takes a lot of balls to do something like that and i yeah. really he was too young i think and i wish i would have gotten to know him more how old was and, he you know 18. wow yeah, he was very young and yeah, very good looking and very, uh, very kind. You know, I didn't really know him that well because mm -hmm. I was living in New York and he lives in uh, New Mexico. Gotcha. But, you know, like, I kept thinking like his last moments and like, what I could have done to stop it maybe, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's an epidemic happening right now. There's actually suicide rates are, are at the highest or were uh, as of last year, I think, or earlier this year. Um, in decades, in you know, various in, across various industries, just generally, 
but yeah. it's affecting so many people. Um, so I appreciate that you brought it up. And I think it's, it's something that, yeah, we need to talk about more. And so. yeah, you know, I, and I think my, my hypothesis is that suicidal thoughts are common. Yes. Among all of us. I've had them. I mean, when I talk to you, like, like anybody I've talked to about them has had them. Yeah. You, you too? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. I find it weird though, that if you go to a therapist, they always ask you that, but you never feel like entirely comfortable. Like I was very comfortable when I went to my therapist. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but like, I, I think it's natural. I told her and I think that everyone has them and yeah. I, you know, I'm not like planning it out, you know, right. but I've had the thoughts, you know, and I've, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts about death, but that don't even include suicide. Right. Know? So <laughs> how is that a bad thing? Like, cause you're right. It's a stigma, but it's a natural thing. I think, you know, yeah. like, sometimes we get, we get trapped in this little box and you feel there's no way out. And that thought comes up right away. Right. And then you're like, well, no, I think I can handle this, you know? Right. Or you have a friend that calls you at the right time, you know. Yeah. I've had instances where I actually was, you know, where I, I actually tried. And it was just like a, a, a simple thing as like seeing light, just seeing a little bit of light creep in uh, wow. between the door cracks that have really just drawn me back and, put, and pulled me back into reality and what I was in, what wow. I was about to do even, you know. And this was, uh, you know, young, I was younger. How, how old are you? Mid-20s, I'd say. So I'm 38 right now. Uh, but yeah, I just remember seeing like a crack of light in the bathroom and being like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like, I got to just open the door and start breathing again, you know, and it actually helped. So yeah. would you mind talking a little bit more about that? You know, what led up to that and what did you actually try to do? Well, I was uh, in the tub with a knife, basically. And I was like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to do it. Uh, what, drew it what drew that, though, was a lot of drinking and drugs. Mm-hmm. So... I think what happened was, well, what happened for me was that life just kind of brought me back and being like, this is not a decision that I'm making clear. Yeah. Clearly, I'm being, being very emotional and this is the, a permanent decision. So I, I need to just take a chill, take a breather and step out of this and go back and, you know, kind of face myself again, wow. which I did, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but yeah, it was like, the, so for me personally, I even told my parents this. Like, if I were ever to kill myself, it's not going to be for anything stupid. No emotional reason, like someone left me or lost a job or nothing stupid, nothing like that. But if it's like, if I'm going to die because I have like stage seven cancer, I'm making that up. But, you know, yeah, like yeah. something really terminal where it's going to be where I'm going to suffer for a long time or maybe possibly a long time and there's no cure for it, then yeah, maybe I will. Right. And well, I, I told him this and like, this is not, but nothing irrational my life it's going to be very very clear that this is like my only way out of being in pain at least unnecessary pain would be that yeah i mean i think that to me that's a whole separate category in terms of what you described around having a terminal illness because there's a lot of there's quite a few states and and this is something that's a positive i think has been increasing the last few years are states passing laws to allow people to to end their life with the you know they usually call them death with with dignity laws yeah so having you know su- uh, doctor assisted death where you can, if you have a terminal illness I, and I think the criteria I think it maybe varies somewhat state to state but it's usually you have to have a terminal illness and be you know um, yeah. um, uh, approved by a doctor and maybe even see a psychologist along with that I'm not sure the exact criteria but yeah that's to me that's a I know there are religious people and others who view that don't view a difference 
in terms of suicide, but I think for for if you're not a religious zealot, um, I or someone who's has very strong religious views, and depending on the, what religion it is, personally, I think, and I think many other people think that there's a clear distinction there between killing yourself out of yeah, like you said, maybe an emotional reason or because you're depressed, and doing taking that very concerted, seemingly rational step. I, I mean, I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Well, like I said, it just, if you're going to be suffering, your family's going to suffer as well. And financially, it's a burden, I think. Yeah. It's a very, for me, it's very rational, very practical to be like, this would be an easier, a more like humane way, you know? Right. Obviously, it's not going to be easy for those that you leave behind. But I think it's probably, like, I've had my, I've had two aunts, or two, I'm sorry, an aunt and an uncle die of cancer. Wow. Uh, when I was younger, and that was a long, drawn-out process. You know, mm-hmm. you see them as a healthy body, to eventually the the point where they can't leave the wheelchair, and they're have no hair in their body and their skin and bone. Yep. And that was hard. You know, yeah. it's very hard. It's hard. Yeah. It was so hard in my family. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, personally, I'm like, no, I'm not going to put my family through that. Like, yeah. I'd rather just make it simple, like have like a nice, healthy relationship, and then follow yeah. them, and then leave on top. You know. Obviously, yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be too fast and pull the trigger, you know. But <laughs> right. of, like you said, there'd be a lot of like, I would hope there'd be a lot of things like talk to a doctor, make sure make sure the diagnosis is you know, 100% clad. There's no way out of it, you know. Right. Before anything. Else. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, you know, if you break your finger or have a cold, you're not gonna you know pull that trigger. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be something pretty pretty extreme, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, I, to me, I, I equate it with abortion rights. Like, it's your body. You should be able to do what you want. Um, and I think women should have that right. And all people should have the right to end their life if they want to, if they feel they are suffering. And they should have, they should, you know, be, it, it should be supported by a medical professional. Because the, altern- yeah. the alternative is that people may do it on their own. And, and, you know, that's what we see in places where the abortion is either, you know, the, the abortion laws are restrictive people take matters into their own hands and that's, it can only lead to more yeah. suffering. So I think there's, yeah, there's, there's a great need for that. Also, you could be talked out of it. Like say, maybe you do think you want to die, but you are seeing the professionals and you get talked out of it and like, Oh, I'm just going to live my life and I will go through the treatments and it's going to suck. But right. Uh, I think it's better than just getting a, you know, a gun or hanging yourself. You yeah. Know? Uh, so, I mean, I think it's better for your family because then they don't, they don't find you like that you know they know yeah. you're, you're gonna do that they could be there when it happens you know it could be done humanely you know right i'm not sure exactly how that's done you know but yeah i think that you can maybe take a pill or there's a, some kind of liquid that can be created that you can drink I, there was a documentary recently i forget the exact name of it it was on hbo last year and, and one of one of the things they talked about was this this right to die law passing in california within the last few years and they showed they actually Part of the documentary was, show, was documenting this, this older man who had, you know, a terminal illness, and they they filmed him um, making the decision, and then and then actually drinking the liquid and laying on the couch, and his he was surrounded. It, it was beautiful, actually. He, you know, yeah. he, he did it very consciously, very intentionally, and he was, I think, in his late seventies, I want to say, and he was surrounded by his family, his friends, and yeah. it was obviously very emotional, uh, but he made a decision of his own, you know, free will and he was supported by his family and friends. And it was actually a really beautiful thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's nice. 
what, how what are your thoughts on suicide and like uh, have you experienced it at all in your life like, with anybody that you've been like that you've known or been like adjacent to at least my my actually first sort of interaction with it was in high school uh a kid in my neighborhood that well, i wasn't friends with but i knew he hung himself and he he was in the, I went to the same high school with him he he lived like a few blocks away from me and i hadn't had that much contact with him i just like knew his face i guess but the weird thing is that like two or three days before he did it i ended up giving him a ride to school because i was two years older than him. i was a senior and i was driving you know my old beat up 1978 buick LeSabre that i like you know them yeah. <laughs> I, I borrowed from, i borrowed from my parents and yeah. um I happened to see him and I recognize him and, you know, he's a sophomore, he's two years younger than me and his name is Nick, I think. Yeah, Nick. And I saw him as I was driving and I was like, hey man, you want a ride? I'll give you a ride to school. And he said, yeah, sure. Got in, drove him, that was it, you know? And then two or three days later, we got the news that he hung himself. And I also was raised, born and raised Catholic and yeah. went to Catholic school, Catholic high school. And man, like there was no conversation about it, nothing. And I think back to that moment and it was such it was such a failure on the part of the school yeah to, to to engage with the students to talk about it i mean maybe if there was something i don't remember it maybe i i, I but i'm 99 sure they didn't offer anything or if they did it wasn't it was like very under the radar or half-hearted i just remember not it not being really discussed and or in you know i i was you know, growing up, I was an altar boy. I was kind of like you, man. I was like on that track and like, you know, yeah. really in it deep. And um, yeah, it, it just, it, I remember it being shook at the time, but because we didn't talk about it, because there wasn't room to talk about it, because it wasn't encouraged, it just kind of got swept under the rug. Yeah. And that was it. It just like, after whatever, a week or two, it was like, it never happened. Uh, that's not good either. No. That's not good at all. It's terrible. When you think about driving him, though, like, did, like I know you, it's like a hard memory to bring up, like mm. especially so long ago. But you, did you notice anything like that? That could have like, no, like, no. Like I think about that with my cousin's kid. I didn't know him, but I asked my mom. You know, I asked my cousin. Yeah. And they said no too. Like he seemed happy. You know, he had issues with depression. Yeah. Uh, and some other issues that they didn't tell me. I didn't. I don't want to press the issue. You know. Yeah. I guess he had some other stuff you couldn't deal with, and uh, you know he hung himself as well. Yeah, so I'm like, but I'm always just like, yeah. I always wondered if I, I, I'm kind of be, I kind of beat myself up a little bit because I wish I was there a little bit more than I had been. Yeah, and I, I could have talked to him a little bit more. Yeah, because uh, uh, you know I think I've, I think it's, a lot of people feel alone, and maybe he was going through something that could have been dealt with. If just, we just talked to somebody else. Because you know, my family is, you know, they're, 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 I love my family, but they're also like live in a very small town, mm. have slightly conservative views on things. Right. Uh, so maybe if they came to see me, I could have talked to them, we could have had a good time. You know, yeah. He would have seen life a little differently, you know. I, I know it's, I know it's hard not to, to beat yourself up, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say try not to because. There, there well, is, I'm not anymore. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. There's, there's probably nothing you could have done. Um. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? But that's his journey, and yeah. he was. And the thing is, with people, with people who do that, 
you know, some people are just, yeah, it's a cry for help. Some people, you know, they, they either don't go through with it or they, they, it doesn't work or whatever. And then yeah, it's really a cry for help. But some people who are really determined to do it, you, you may not ever know, man, they, they'll keep it secret because yeah. they know that any kind of indication otherwise will alert other people. That's yeah. my, that's, and I'm not a psychologist by any means. I'm not, you know, a counselor, but that's just my understanding of it. So it, it, it's, it's, it can be a very, very tricky thing to, you know, to perceive, to, to, you know, help people with. So yeah, it is just unfortunate that it happens, but. Yeah. I've been trying to like more, more so think about, uh, again, like, uh, his life, you know? So I, I only know him through pictures really at this point. Yeah. Because last time I had, uh, even see my cousin was years and years and he was tiny, you know? Uh, but he's very, like I said, he's a good looking dude. has a great smile. Yeah. Uh, the stories that they have told me about him are all amazing. So like, yep. I think about those things more, you know, and, uh, and try to bring light to like uh, his, his memory as opposed to like the last few moments of his life. Yeah. You know? And I talk to my cousin like almost every day. Uh, and we just talk, we bullshit, you know, we don't necessarily always talk about him. Like I talked to her this morning and we, uh, just showing her pictures of my walk with my dog and showed her pictures of my girlfriend and, you know, nice. yeah, it was nice. It was a nice, nice conversation. And, uh, you know, I told her just call, call me anytime. You know, we could talk about anything. Yeah. Right. Just, that doesn't have to be about him. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I think that just putting yourself out there and offering and, and connecting is, is a great thing to do. And also that helps me to think again, if you talk about death and uh, life, just, uh, I, I just, knowing that he was suffering and knowing that he's gone, now I want to be more proactive in my life. Right. Yep. So like, I think about that with my grandfather and my grandmother that died and my aunts and uncles. Like, not that they're up anywhere watching me, but like, since I have this life in me, I'm going to try to always do as much as I possibly can with it. You know? Yeah. Be, even if it's just reading a book. Yeah. I want to read my book. I'm going to be there in the room reading my book and enjoying the moment right it's hard it's hard to, to be honest with you. i'm reading i could read a book and then i could start drifting off somewhere <laughs> else yeah and not be present enough to actually like uh enjoy it and, yeah uh, so it's always a challenge to just be present as present as i can yeah no i, th- I think that's a challenge for a lot of people because we have especially because we have so many distractions these days right with everything around us well i mean again it's covid right like right. i had I had so many distractions, you know, and now I, I think that's what kind of drove drove such slight depression on everybody. Is like now mm. there's nowhere to go, right? There's nowhere, to, there's nothing to do. You can't you can't go to the, the club. You can't go to the museum. You can't go to the bar, or the restaurants, and meet friends and yep. stay out all night. You have to just stay home and deal with yourself, right? And I tried to I used to I tried for a little bit to have a few drinks every day. I like, guess a little cocktail I make, and now I'm just like I don't even want to drink. Like, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to do anything. I just want to be. I, I feel high being sober, <laughs> completely sober. I'm That's like, great. I feel like, like kind of a daze. I'm like, oh, I'm alive. It's awesome. It's awesome to look at the look outside my window and see the cars go by. Yeah, I feel disgusted by my like whatever. You know, I try to hide or be hungover. Cause I, that was a big thing. Is like when I was younger, I was like every other day I was hungover. Yeah, wow. really appreciating my life. Yeah, and that drove depression. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, man. That's a terrible cycle to get into. Do you think, though, that people associate death with depression, though? Like, the, co- the topic of it? 
I think there probably are some people who do. Yeah. For several reasons. One, because grief, grief is also talked about in context of any loss. So if you want to widen it out to like, you know, um, losing a relationship, someone you love in terms of breaking up, any kind of loss, particularly death though, if it's someone you love and someone you're close with, yes, that obviously causes a lot of grief. And, and grief is another topic that we, we have trouble talking about that is very, it's a, it's a wild emotion. You know, it's like, it's like being thrown into like the middle of the jungle, having been born and raised in like the city and like you're just lost. You know, it can be anger, it could be sadness, it could be, um, it could be uh, uh, apathy. There's, you know, grief. Yeah. Grief is a, it's, to me is like a wild area. So, yeah. and we don't know how to deal with it. We're not good at dealing with it necessarily. We're not great at talking. We're not, be, not great at being open with it, about it. Not great about forgiving ourselves and other people when they're going through grief. So I think, yeah, maybe there are people who associate that. There's a negative association with death. And that's mm-hmm. partially why we don't, we don't talk about it. But it's, it's also because it's become hidden from us for various reasons over the last, you know, 100 to 150 years, do you probably like there are multiple factors involved, but my, my understanding, the best, the two biggest factors that are, that are at play here are the healthcare industry and the fact that we, you know, have, we've extended our lifespan. We have vaccines, we have antibiotics, we have heart surgery. So we're just growing older than we ever have been healthy, healthier, quote unquote, um, until we, until we aren't. And then, also dying in hospitals and 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 um and nursing homes, for example, and not dying at home, so we don't see, we don't see death anymore in mm. our homes. Mm. Okay. at the same at the same time, the funeral industry has has become very big, right? So outsour- outsourcing this death care, this of caring for the body, overseeing the body, taking it to the cemetery, burying the person. This is all things all things we we used to do as people for our loved yeah. Up until like the yeah. mid, mid mid to late 1800s, and so the yeah. funeral industry pops up. So now we are very unfamiliar with death in our in the U.S. particularly, and other Western countries more so than other places. That makes sense, actually. I, I didn't even consider. I'm not a big fan of the funeral industry at all. Right. But like now that you mentioned that, how it can disassociate ourselves from death and makes the topic more taboo to talk about because we're never we're never dealing with it. No one dies in the home anymore. Yeah. You die, yeah. you die somewhere else and they take care of it. And yeah. yeah. I don't think that's good for our psyche. I agree. I mean, I think it's mostly an unintended consequence of all these, these factors happening in the last, like, I don't think no one set out to do that. Right. Or it just kind of happened alongside these changes. But yeah, I think that that is a detrimental side effect that we have it has become so foreign to us Yeah, and that we don't talk about. And that, that's a big part of it. How do you feel about um, as far as death? Like, how would you deal with someone dying in your life? Do you bury them? Would you, do you like that? Describe to that kind of uh, tradition, or do you like, do you cremate them? You mean talking about me personally? Yeah. What would you do? Like, well, like I mentioned before, I grew up was born and raised Catholic, but but I'm not yeah. I'm not a traditional person at all. Um, I I like to say that I I. Uh, I suffered from chronic Catholicism when I was younger and now I'm cured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like my standard joke, but like, and I feel like I, can, I, I feel like, I feel like I can make that joke because I went through it, you know, and, yeah. and, I, yeah. and I have love for the Catholics, you know, my mom's still Catholic. It's all yeah. good. Whatever you want to do is great. Like, you know, you know, do you, but um, I, I'm not on that path anymore. So I believe that you should do whatever is best for you. Whatever is, is going to give you the most peace 
um, whatever is going to give you the most satisfaction. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm anti-funeral industry because I know quite a few people in the, in the funeral industry having taken this thanatology course. Thanatology is the um, interdisciplinary study of dying death and grief. Yeah, the certificate program at the New York Open Center, which is great. And so I've been kind of in this world a little bit and, and got to meet, you know, funeral directors. And, and there are changes being made now. There are, there's, a, there's a whole progressive wing of the funeral industry that's like much more about bringing things back to nature having green burials, for example, like, be, like there are green, green cemeteries where it doesn't look anything like what we recognize as a cemetery. It's more, it's wilder. Like it's in a forest, but only burying the person about three feet down. It's like a throwback to, you know, 1800s and prior. So yeah. you bury the person instead of, instead of burying them six feet down, which is, we always say six feet under, like that's like kind of like a very common phrase. This is actually only three feet down because it facilitates decomposition. So yeah. you, you bury the person in like a simple shroud or like a like a very bare bare bones coffin, like like simple wooden coffin, um, that's not treated or anything. And I, so I like the idea of that. So that's not like that too. I didn't know that actually. Yeah, see, that's really cool. Yeah. So so I mean, ultimately, even all that stuff in the, in those like you know crazy excessive cemeteries, we're all going to decompose anyway. Even if you have if you're, you know, you've been embalmed and you you have all these like layers of excess around you. You st- you know what you're. St- you're still going to decompose, man. The bugs are still going to get you at some point. <laughs> yeah, moisture is going to get through. Exactly. But it's going to be a lot slower than, and, and like without all the, the bells and whistles of the other, the other thing. I really like that though. So I also heard someone, you can get, get buried under a tree or something or plant a tree under your body, above your body. And then the tree grows. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. with, you know, you as the natural fertilizer almost. Uh, I like that idea. The green burial. It sounds, that makes more sense to me. You know, yeah. A lot less burden on the people that you leave behind. It's like yeah. it's a lot of money to bury somebody. Like you oh, said, you know, the, the casket alone is ridiculous. And yeah, that's why that's what kind of turned me off with anything funeral related. Is like, why why do you need that casket for? Like, then you're only gonna see it once. You're only gonna see it open for like an, an hour, right? And then it's gonna be put in the ground. Like, no one else is gonna see this. What's the yeah. point? The yeah. dead person doesn't need that. Like. Right, like a simple shroud or a simple box, put them in there, you know. Yeah. Then, you know, celebrate their life. Exactly. Instead of like spending all that money on them. But I've been that way with life too. Like I've been married once, and I was like, I'm never having a wedding. Like, and you know, and <laughs> if I ever get married again, I'm never doing. I'm never gonna have that traditional wedding thing. It's like I'd mm-hmm. rather have the money to go travel with you as opposed to spend ten thousand dollars on a wedding plus, you know. Yeah. Then have nowhere to go afterwards because I have no money for it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm in, I'm in 100% agreement with you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's other other things too I can get into, but uh, please, I would, it's kind of cool. It's a really interesting topic. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, so like cre- cremation is another option. Actually, what's interesting about cremation is that it's become it, in back in 2015, I believe, it passed burial in the U.S. as the most popular form of final disposition, huh. and it's projected to just keep increasing to the point where the projection is like by 2040, I think like 70% of what they call them final dispositions will be cremations. And so that is something that's been a big change in the U S and other places. It's very common in like Japan and some Eastern Eastern cultures, like Buddhists typically cremate yeah. Hindus in India, but it's, it's become for more practical reasons here in the U S and, and, and England and other places in Europe, um, mostly to do with money because it's a lot cheaper. 
also land, right? What, exactly. Like, there's so much land left. Like, I mean, you're driving around New York and you see these big swaths of land that are, are cemeteries. Like, damn, that must, that's expensive territory right there. Oh, yeah. And some of them are beautiful, like in, in Brooklyn, actually, by you, Greenwood. Yeah, yeah. It's, beautiful. yeah it's, a, it's a beautiful cemetery, right? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that comes out of that. And there's, it's, it's almost like a community hub. I mean, they have a lot of events there. So that type of cemetery is, is, is really a throwback. Like we don't really create cemeteries like that anymore, but they do, they do serve a, a pretty good function in the community, I think. I, I agree. I went to uh, uh, Père Lachaise in Paris and I was, uh, I mean, like, I write poetry every once in a while, but I was like so inspired being there because it is beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Some of the old tombs and like headstones, like, so I can't really knock it too much, but it's like, I mean, those people had money. You know, I don't have, I don't have that kind of cash right now. You know? Yeah. No, I hear you. And also, I wouldn't even want to do that. I think cremation would be the way I'd, I'd go or like a green burial would be what I would want. Something very cheap. It's very practical. It helps like, instead of like decomposing slowly faster and like, Right. Get back to the actual earth where I came from, you know? Yep. Become that a tree above me. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. You become a bug buffet as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. Get it, get it over with it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I thought, I thought of cremation a lot. But I also wonder, like, how long are you conscious after you're dead? You know, like, do you experience that? I know they say that the brain isn't working, but we don't, we can't really tell what consciousness is. Does it only lie within the brain? I don't know. Like, maybe feel like it's every molecule of my body is conscious not just my, my head you know right so i that's one thing to think about like uh, are we conscious even days afterwards you know like are we still are we still at least attached to this body somehow right and do we experience pain after that i don't know that's interesting that's definitely interesting to think about what about your earliest memory of death do you like can you think back to like maybe it was a pet dying, maybe it was a grandparent, you know, and, and maybe how did, that, how did that affect you if, if, if you can conjure that? Well, my, one of my other cousins uh, died of carbon monoxide poisoning when I was younger. Wow. And, but also that was at the same time that my aunts and uncles were dying. So it was like kind of like a lot of people in my family were dying. How old are you? Mm, I think it was like maybe like five or six. I don't have a lot of detailed memories. I know... I remember the house vaguely where my cousin died. I remember my family kind of being shocked, you know, because that was very uh, a tragic kind of way to go because it was not his fault. You know, he was he was actually a really standout kid as far as I remember. Yep. Uh, uh, so a lot of my family was shocked. Me, again, I was too young to really kind of comprehend. But I do remember seeing a lot of people crying and I do remember feeling sad, you know. Mm -hmm. but, that was my, my my first experience, but also like you know my family would kind of shield, would try to shield at least the young ones, like me being one of them, away right. from some of the tragedy of that. Right. One that really kind of shocked me uh, to this day still was when my mom was pregnant. I was living in California at the time. Uh, my mom and my dad had another, were about to have another baby boy, and I was like, oh yeah, I got a brother, you know, because I had two sisters, mm -hmm. so like I was about to have a little baby brother, and he ended up dying. Uh, because the umbilical cord choked him. Oh, wow. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, so I was like, that one really, like, you know, I don't, I don't feel like pain anymore so much, or grief, kind of, but this is years ago. It's like 2021, 20, 22. Yeah. And that one kind of shocked me because my mom, you know, she, 
I, I mean, I was broken for weeks. I yeah. remember you know, I couldn't, couldn't think and uh, couldn't, couldn't do anything. I, I was just at the age when I was drinking, so I, that's how I dealt with it a lot because I still had to go to work. I was yeah. living in my, my own apartment and stuff. Uh, but then my mom kind of like got into drugs and then ended up getting arrested for a while. Wow. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, she fell apart, you know? Yeah. But that was like the most tragic thing that I can remember recently besides my cousin. My cousin's son killing himself. Um, but that one affected me a lot because it's my mom, you know? And, uh, she was so happy and everyone was so excited to have a little baby boy. Funny note, though, is that his name was supposed to be uh, Dominic. Mm-hmm. And when, I was, when my mom had me, that was supposed to be my name. <laughs> Really? So the interesting thing was that when she, my mom fell asleep, my dad changed my name to Jesse Xavier and didn't, didn't tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I mean, so we, I technically still have a little baby brother, you know, I think about him. I think about him often too. Like not yeah. every day, but every once in a while, it just pops in my memory and or my thoughts. And I just think, okay, well, let me, if I, if I'm not going to be able to do something for myself, that, that should motivate me. And it does a lot. Do yeah. it for my family members who can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know? So get out of bed or go for a run. Just enjoy the moment and smile. You know, not, you know, I don't have to smile, but just be in the moment and be there. You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Definitely. Even if, I'm, even if I'm in deep pain, I just try to like, sometimes I, I'm like, I'm alive still. I'm alive still. So let me just experience this and then figure out a way to get past it. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and talking about, you know, miscarriages and infant death is, is another area I think that we, even within the subject that we, that we don't talk about because it's so sensitive and people don't want to offend others and, and we don't, we don't make a lot of space for it and make a lot of time for it. So I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's something we, yeah, we, again, that we need to talk more about, um, that there are a lot of women and families who go through that Yeah, and it's tragic. It's tragic. It's like really nothing you... Like I feel like as a at least as a man that I can say to my mom besides that I love her, yeah. You know, like roads of motivation and stuff. Like I'm not gonna do that. I'm right. just gonna be there for her. Yeah. Whatever she wants to do, like. Right. You know, because we talk about it every, every once in a while, and uh, yeah, I just let her talk. You know. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, she's the one having the baby, and she's my mom first of all. So yeah. she do whatever she wants. Right. Uh, so like it just we just talk, she just talks to me about it every once in a while, you know. But it's mostly now like positive things, you know. That's good. You know, like she she's grateful that she had the opportunity to have the baby. She felt really connected to him and uh, she's she's happy that I'm still alive, you know. Right. And I try to like it's just really nice. It's nice to like I it's nice to have a family that at least is capable of opening it up. Like a lot of a lot of my family uh, friends of my family they're, my family's friends aren't as open, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just shows in their personalities because, like, especially as a man, you always, uh, I have some friends that are from Eastern Europe and they, they're just like, no emotion, you know, don't, can't show any emotion. Right. I didn't grow up that way, you know? Right. I grew up like being very, like, I'm an artist, you know, like, I, that's just my nature to be sensitive in the first place. So like, I'm always letting it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not afraid, I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not afraid to be upset to show it. That's great, man. It's something I've struggled with is like, yeah, being more open and being more, you know, uh, sensitive and being more empathetic and all that. And just not being so 
guarded. And I've gotten much better as I got, I've gotten older. I had a relationship I went through and that didn't work out. And I think that really opened my eyes to like, she had PTSD and she had a lot of sort of things that she was going through. And then I had, I wasn't happy with myself and who I was. And it ended up, you know, we ended up splitting up and that just taught me a lot about myself and about how I want to deal with other people, particularly women in, in relationships. So I, that yeah. was, that was like a real learning experience for me. It was, it was, it was one of the, one of the hardest, not the hardest things I've had to go through and endure in my life. I want to go back to something we touched on earlier, how this subject influences your creativity. And just to give everyone a sense of your work, which I think is great. You create paintings, murals, and sketches that could be defined as mostly abstract, right? Yeah. Abstract, uh, expressionistic. Um, I love landscape, though. I can paint, I paint in every genre, I think. Yep, yep. Uh, right now, mostly uh, a uh, landscape portrait kind of thing I've been doing. Okay. But I haven't done anything really specifically about death. I've had death in, like, certain... Like I painted a picture of Kali. Kali is the Hindu goddess of death. Mm. And I painted a few pic- paintings of her. I was I really like the iconography a lot. I love the, just what, what she's doing in it. It's very dynamic and bold. But how it influences me uh, indirectly is, like I said before, just to ke- keep creating, to just keep the output there. Uh, it doesn't have to be like I show every piece that I create because I don't, but... But just as long as I'm creating, I feel like I'm connected to my life and to life in general. Uh, and also, it's kind of a way of staving off maybe that idea that, uh, that I'm going to die sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so like sometimes I, I said, I'm so occupied with the project, I'm not actually thinking about it. You know? Yeah. It's like a little respite for, uh, for that kind of thought. Because it is like an almost constant thought. And I think a lot of people have it. Yeah. It's not like I'm like, death, 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 dying, mm-hmm. dying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But it's like, I mean, it, you just never know, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. So, like, well, I can't be stagnant. You know, I don't want to be stagnant. So it helps me to, like, just keep moving, enjoying my life. And, uh, yeah, man, like, death is a integral part of my at least philosophy as far as, like, living. Yeah. You know, I don't want it. I don't want it to be, it's not morbid to me. And yeah, I mean, I, every time I, besides certain people, like my girlfriend, I can talk to you about this, yeah. a couple of my friends, but uh, if I talk to anybody else outside of my inner circle, it does become like, why are you so dark? You're so morbid. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, this is an interesting <laughs> topic. It's yeah. hard to talk about because we just don't know anything about it. Right. You know, it's fun to think about, like, what happens after you die? Like, so like we've been talking about consciousness what happens like what is that then it also brings up to, uh, the topic of consciousness to begin with what is that what does that mean to be alive and to right. be conscious right? exactly it's a brilliant topic it's just never there's not it's unanswerable yeah there's nothing you can actually answer because you're not dead and when the dead don't tell anything so we're just never gonna know i know and i think that's that's brilliant though it's a brilliant thing to think about it's like the last thing you're going to experience on earth will be you're dying and then after that, it's a journey that you you can't ever talk about. Yeah. That, sorry. No, no, please, please. No, I was just thinking how stingy dead people are. Like, if if we <laughs> if, if, if if we do exist after we die in some way, shape, or form, you know, like, why don't we communicate 
back with ourselves. That that's that's a kind of logic question, I guess. It's like, wouldn't is it is it impossible, or is it they're you know they're choosing not to, or is there nothing? I mean, that you know that's the other part of the equation. I, I'm agnostic. I consider myself agnostic, really more of atheist leaning agnostic. So yeah. I, I at least I at least leave open the possibility that there is nothing, and I, I think that's a valid possibility at least. So nothingness though is hard to talk about though. Like, what does that mean? Nothingness, you know. We we don't know what nothingness is either. Exactly. And the same author who wrote that book, No Exit, John Paul Sartre, has a whole book called Being and Nothingness, which is almost impossible for me to read at least because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's philosophy and very uh, existentialist. Right. So I'm just like, but even he didn't know. Basically, the answer is he doesn't know. <laughs> so nobody yeah. knows. Uh, but my question and my answer to that would be like, if, if we do die and our soul is intact as our this consciousness, like you being Thomas, me being Jack, and we live our death like that as well, like live our death. But like, I, I would, and you have no physical constraints, right? You don't, have to, you don't need oxygen, you don't need to eat, to drink or sleep. Hell, I would take off. I would go explore the galaxy, the universe. Absolutely. Like maybe, maybe that's why they, they're like, shit, I can go anywhere in the universe. <laughs> I'm out of here, man. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Proxima Centauri, you know, I'm gonna go check that out real quick. Right. Also, and also time too, right? Going in the, in the future, yeah. whatever, or the past, whatever that means to to a dead yeah. person, whatever time means, right? I mean, would you like? I, I wouldn't hang around here if I could go anywhere <laughs> in the universe. You know, I'd go anywhere else. That's fair, man. I think that's a good answer to why we why we don't you know talk why we don't <laughs> communicate with with living people because like there's there's a lot more interesting things going on. <laughs> That's what I think about the idea of ghosts. It's like, why would ghosts haunt anything? It's like, you can go anywhere. Right. You're not constrained by anything. Why would right. you hang out at the old house that you died at 300 <laughs> years ago? Come on, get out of here. Go experience Go experience your death somewhere else. Go. Right. Lazy yeah. ghosts. Lazy ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> like, so we learned, there are going to be those type of ghosts that just don't ever want to leave. <laughs> change, their, <laughs> change their habits. Right. Come on, man, get out of here. It's like, nah, I think I'm just gonna hang out and just like haunt somebody today. And just, it's kind of kind of tired. <laughs> hey, I, would today. I would do that too for a little bit. That would, <laughs> that would be kind of fun. <laughs> just mess around. I think of Beetlejuice a lot, you know. Like, oh yeah, it's a great movie. Okay, so if you were to write your own obituary, what would the headline be? Go live your life. <laughs> I'm dead, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I, I'm not a big person to have. Uh, I, I think of a lot of like Andre the Giant said this once. He's like, if you want to visit me, uh, come visit me while I'm alive. Because when I'm dead, like I'm, I'm dead, I'm not there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be. He said something. I'm paraphrasing. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very vaguely, but I like. So that. he doesn't have a tombstone or anything. You know. Really. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's like, uh, visit me. Like first of all, like I. Like I don't have to go to my grandfather's grave to talk to him or feel like I have a connection with him. Right. You know, like I can do that anytime, anywhere. And I do I think about him. Sometimes I can almost smell him, you know? Interesting. Yeah. He has like this, he had this interesting kind of old man smell, you know? <laughs> and I remember it a lot. Cause like we were very, I grew up very close to him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, same thing with my cousins and stuff. Like I don't have to like, be there and to and at the gravesite to feel that to feel like some sort of emotion or to feel connection to yeah and that's how i feel about my life i don't need anybody coming to a gravesite like think about me and and have like a maybe a uh, 
a conversation. Like if someone who knows me is going to be able to have a conversation with me in their own head because they right. know my quirks, you know, my everything already. Like, yeah. So, you know, go have, have that conversation where you're having a drink on the Caribbean or something, you know, like right. <laughs> don't go, don't go to a grave, a grave site, you know, go live the life. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. I think that about does it. Where can people reach out to you if they want to find your work or contact you or anything like that? Um, I would say Instagram, you know, at uh, Jack Reese underscore art would be the best place. You know, uh, uh, Jack is J-A-K. Reese is R-U-I-Z underscore art. That'd be the best place right now. Gotcha. Cool. So uh, thank you so much for being, for being with me today, man. I had a great conversation. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Cool, man. Catch you later, man. See you. Now I want to take some time to share my daily mortality mantras with you. I developed the first one a few years ago. It goes like this. I will die and I could become severely ill and or disabled. One or more of these state changes could happen or start happening right now, decades from now, or at any moment in between. So I will make the most of whatever time I have left while I'm still healthy and breathing. The second one is a saying in Italian from my grandmother, who died in 2019 at the age of 102. She would say it to me and other members of my family whenever we needed to hear it most. And it's something I repeated back to her over and over again, just a few hours before she died, as potential travel advice, just in case she was going somewhere. It goes like this. Ordina al tuo destino di essere bello e tale sarà. It means, command your destiny to be beautiful and it will be. I say both of them to myself every day, usually after the roughly 30 to 60 second ice cold shower I take each morning, shortly after getting out of bed to help wake my groggy ass up and start the day off right. I hope these matches help you as much as they help me. All right, that's a wrap for now. Join me in exploring mortality and everything that follows from it by subscribing to Mortality Minded wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find episodes and other content on mortalityminded.com. If social media is your thing, I'm at Mortality Minded on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or if you want to kick it old school, email me through connect at mortalityminded.com. Let me know what you think of this episode and others by rating and or commenting on them. Your feedback is much appreciated and goes a long way in helping make the show better for everyone involved. You, the guests, and me alike. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay mortality-minded. <laughs>